Hey, Exchange family, this is Exchanging Stories. So it was like a door shut and closed, but both Suzanne and I realized that's where the Lord wants us. It was this weird feeling of the door was shut and deadbolted in front of your face, but realizing like God wants us on the other side of that door. I don't know how this is going to work, but that's where he wants us. Hey, Exchange family, we're back with season two of Exchanging Stories. Today, our guest is Ross Inman. Hey, Ross. Hey, how we doing? Great. I'm really glad to uh, to get to hang out for a little bit today. Ross, for those who don't know you, maybe they've seen you from a distance. Uh, you've got a crew that goes along with you, right? Oh, yeah. Introduce us verbally <laughs> to your crew. Happy to do so. So I come with uh, my better half. Her name is Suzanne. Uh, we've been married 16 years. We've got three little ones, uh, Hudson, Declan, and Verity. So Hudson's eight, Verity's uh, our youngest. She's four, and Declan's our middle, who's six. How so. come you put Declan last, but he's in the middle? You know, I, I'm a middle I, child. I actually I'm just to that. realized that I did that. I think yeah. that's the first time I've done that. Maybe there's something going on there. I don't know. I feel like that's <laughs> typically what happens with us middle children is we <laughs> get, get left, you know, out. left out, you know. Uh, Hudson and Declan, you can find them chasing a ball somewhere oh, yeah. Sunday after church. Verity, you can find uh, with Suzanne. Um, <laughs> not talking to you. Not talking to me. I'm trying desperately. <laughs> We're trying hard, man. Yes, to work. Uh, to work myself in there. Uh, I think I've I've been a little bit too aggressive so far, as I'm backing away. You know, just gonna great. let her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ross, where do you guys serve? You guys serve a lot of places at Exchange. You've been at Exchange first for what a couple years now. Uh huh. Okay. Just a, just a few. Yep. Yeah. And so, uh, where do you guys where do you guys find joy serving the body of Exchange? Yeah. So Suzanne and I are both plugged in with the kids ministry. So we'll, we'll occasionally serve together. Uh, it's actually in Declan's class. So okay. the, the six year olds uh, and around that age, five and six year olds. Yeah. Which is a, just a load of fun. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Um. So we'll uh, we'll occasionally serve there. Suzanne uh, kind of leads the prayer ministry, and I get to serve uh, with her and under her on that. So the Sunday morning uh, prayer team, mm-hmm. uh, just being available to to be with people to to pray with them and bless them, and and then help do like the the prayer training event with Suzanne. Uh, and then I teach occasionally in the equip classes. Yeah. So uh, I've done a few of those up to this point. And, yeah. Uh, it's great, man. It's yeah. a blessing. You yeah. love it. I mean, it's a gift to exchange. You guys have been a gift in uh, the prayer ministry has been such a need. It was one of those things where the elders were praying about that before you guys came on. Sweet. Um, and then, of course, you know, after meeting with Suzanne, that's just a burden that the Lord has placed on her heart and mm-hmm. wants to help people kind of break through. She shared her story before at Exchange, um, uh, introducing one of the, the prayer gatherings. We'll have her on here in the hot mic at some point. But, um, you know, just sharing her learning uh, about prayer um, and pressing in in ways that made her uncomfortable, yep. you know, completely transformed her, but also has transformed and is transforming Exchange uh, because of the prayer ministry there. So we're we're grateful, man. You guys have have been a joy to, uh, to lead and also to to just go after the kingdom of God with. Amen. So um, today we are we're we're looking at just kind of sharing stories, obviously exchanging stories. Um, and I think you know if someone knows you a little bit, they know you've got some letters after your name and and 
your job as uh, a professor, uh, a philosophy professor, um, and, and there might be some assumptions about uh, your upbringing and how, you know, that was just like maybe something that you're born just wanting to do and going after and just like, <laughs> you know. Philosophy? You know, yes, philosophy. Oh, or no. Or maybe, you know, I think for me, you always think the guys who are teaching this stuff mm. have, you know, especially younger guys who are teaching this stuff must have had just a really long runway of, of a life with the Lord, like tracking, you know, like this great trajectory of, you know, success maybe of just like being plugged into ministry after ministry or whatever, and you find your sp- spot there. Um, but after getting to know you, that's that's not necessarily the path that God took you on. And we were talking about before that, uh, we'll, we'll talk for a second about finding the Lord, but even after finding the Lord, the, the Lord used failures in your life to do what he says he's going to do, and that's work things out for your good. Yeah. So let's talk about the, the first little spot, though, of finding Jesus. Yep. What was that like for you, and where'd you find him, and how, the, how, how did he pursue you? Oh, man, such a great question. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I grew up in um, in an environment where, uh, you know, religion was sort of, um, it was uh, valued, um, honored, revered, uh, but mostly something you did Sunday morning, hmm. uh, maybe midweek. So I remember growing up going to, you know, Awanas and uh, church events uh, midweek. So my parents were very uh, intentional about, you know, having me be in church and being shaped by church. Um, but uh, I didn't really have a, a sort of a deep understanding of the gospel, and um, there really wasn't um, the heartbeat of who I was until much later in life, honestly. And um, so what really had my heart in high school um, was uh, baseball. Mm-hmm. And girls, yeah. <laughs> so uh, not too far I mean, from I was, the normal. I was going to say, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, I wanted to um, to go on and play uh, baseball professionally, and um, that was kind of my dream and my desire, and uh, that was kind of my track. And um, always kind of had my eyes set on that goal, and so I just worked my tail off to to do that. And so I got to high school, and um. You know, I initially went to a public high school my freshman year of high school just for baseball. This was kind of like the, the school you go to if you wanted to go play college ball or professional ball. And um, <clears throat> the joke was, you know, I um, I got there and there was a guy a year ahead of me playing shortstop who was just like phenomenal. And I knew I was never going to play varsity with this guy there. And, um, you know, I didn't know if I should like try to like clip him with my car to kind of like take him out. So or switching what. positions wasn't an option. <laughs> no. Yes. Only get taking him out. That yes. was my, yes. I was a shortstop. Yes. I was a yes. middle infielder yes. and, and that was kind of the deal. So it was either, you know, that or just go somewhere else. And yeah. anyways, had a, a pretty bad first year. Wasn't walking with the Lord, like far from the Lord. And this kind of um, plays into just this season of just an alienated, lost um, kid. I uh, just was using um, sports and using approval to just find my sense of identity and worth and my humor to kind of just fit myself in and 
really in a way oddly to hide, you know, mm. really what was going on deep, deep in me. Um, at the time, uh, I didn't know that at the time, but looking back now, I think those were all like mechanisms I was yeah. using to really kind of keep people at arm's distance. And so I decided to transfer um, uh, because um, there was another school a lot of my friends were going to that um, were uh, uh, I was partying with at this time, and they were going to a, a, a Christian school called Christian High School where there were there were super cute girls, and they had a decent baseball team. So I thought, yeah, let's let's go there. And so win win. Win-win, and I, you know, I wasn't paying the tuition, so I convinced my parents to, you know, pay this exorbitant amount of money to send me there, and they finally figured a way out to, to send me there, so I did. And so I got there and had no intention. I think I lied to tell them I was a Christian, you know, just to, to go to the school. I, I wasn't. I wasn't yeah. a Christian, uh, looking back now. Anyway, did so you I, think that you were? Uh, yeah, I never really, like, had a, a self—I didn't really, like, identify as a Christian. I mean, okay. I grew up in church, but sure. I, I wasn't—it wasn't a reality in my life. It was okay. just kind of, like, something I did sure. as a kid, and I wasn't really um, walking with the Lord by any means. And um, so, yeah, I got there and sort of quickly got into the, you know, Christian private school party scene and sort of did that whole deal and actually got further hardened and turned off towards Christianity as a result of going to a private— Christian school, ironically enough, yeah. and um, so I would see. Well, when you, know, you see other yeah. people who claim to right. have a faith or claim to have a relationship yep. with Jesus, and you're able to quickly compare yourself, you know, like yep. I'm, not, I'm not as bad, or like I'm, I'm here with everybody else, and if this is what Christianity is, then, then I'm all right, or then, or even the other extreme, then I don't want anything to do with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah for me, it was definitely the other extreme, yeah. the latter, because I got more and more turned off as I watched people who would say one thing, and they would sort of raise their hands and sway in worship at, at school, and then I'd see them, like, partying with me on the weekend, and I just thought, I don't ever want to be two-faced like that. Yeah. You know, I never wanted yeah. to be duplicitous, so I just kind of said, I'm not going to even touch that with yeah. a 10-foot pole. But, you know, there was, there, you know, you meet those people in life that you just can't really, like, you, you don't know what to do with, you know, people who just kind of ring true. Their yeah. lives are, are, they're just, they ring true. They're authentic. Yeah. And uh, there was this uh, young uh, young girl named Suzanne uh, mm-hmm. at the school that I just uh, obviously I was attracted to her, but I realized her life just rang true. She was the real deal, and there were just very few people in my world that were like that. Yeah, and I was intrigued. I was allured. I was intrigued, and I thought I want to want to know more about kind of what the God she serves, the yeah. God she worships, the God she follows, and. So that began a relationship of just friendship first, but you know, as as I look back, the Lord was using that whole season, that whole period of friendship with Suzanne to really like my heart was so hard, and it was like God was tilling my heart at that season. Uh, in that season, I just was a hard-hearted, lost, angry, alienated kid, hmm. and far from God, and um, very cold to the things of of, of God, and. Um, but the Lord used her to kind of thaw me out a little bit. Yeah. And enough where we had a spiritual emphasis week. Uh, it was a chapel every day of the week, Monday through Friday, and there was this uh, itinerant um, kind of youth speaker named Bill Kallenberg, and he came he came uh, up to me the first day of spiritual emphasis week and comes right over to me. Nobody else. I'm with a group of friends. He comes right up to me, and he's like, are you Rawls? He's this thick Georgia accent, and I said, yeah, I'm, this is Southern California now. This is San Diego, so I don't right. hear he's that a, accent. He's a long way from home. <laughs> I don't yeah. hear that accent very often. Yeah. I'm like, where are you from? And he comes right up to me. He's like, I love you, Rawls. I'm like, what? 
what are you talking about? Like, I, he put his arm around me. I'm like, get your arm off of me. I don't know who you are. You don't yes. know who I am. Like, yeah. don't know this like religious nonsense. Yeah. And he did the same thing Tuesday. He came up to me, made a beeline for me, put his arm around me and just said, Ross, I love you, Ross. I'm like, okay, this is getting really creepy. Hmm. Um, what is this? He did it Wednesday, Thursday. And then by Thursday, I don't know, something had like shifted in my heart about this man because I could tell that he was exuding this kind of like this love, the, the love of Christ. For me, this guy he never knew and never met. And and he gave uh Friday was the last uh it was the last day of the uh spiritual emphasis week, and he basically just gave a an ordinary gospel presentation. And I, you know, being at a growing up in around the church, I had heard the gospel countless times, right? And it was just my time. This was like we talk about like tipping points. This was like mm. my spiritual tipping point where yeah. the spirit just got a hold of me and I was leaking profusely out of my face. And <laughs> uh and uh I remember standing up and thinking if I stand up, like I'm gonna this is like a social statement, you know, because I was part of that like popular crowd where there were just the influential crowd. I knew that this was going to be basically, I'm going to alienate myself from all of my, my friends and my people. And I just couldn't stay seated. It was one of those things where I was like, I have to go down. And I went down, I received Christ. And, uh, so this is not like a talk to me later type thing. This is not a, like, find me in the hallway. This is like a public affirmation of faith. You're, you're literally standing up in your chair yeah. Going down front. It was one of those like, like old school. I gotta have Jesus. Get down here. Yeah. And if you know you need him, get down here. I'm, yeah. And I just, I don't know. The Lord just kind of like revealed to me my deep need. Yeah. And I just was overwhelmed, honestly. And yeah. and Brian, it was one of these things where um, there was such, you know, praise God, there was such a radical transformation in my heart. It was like mm-hmm. old loves died hard and fast. Yeah. Uh, and like he had breathed new life into me. I mean, yeah. he had like flipped switches in my heart that were just off. And I remember feeling like love and compassion towards people that I just never, I never had any sense. I mean, the, the very people that I would like belittle and, and demean and make fun of. I remember the next school year coming up to them and I, seeking forgiveness and asking for their forgiveness and just apologizing for the way that I treated them and actually feeling compassion for them and regret. And like, what are these feelings? Compassion and regret. (laughs) You know? So anyways, like that was the start of just the whole, my whole like world just was, became reoriented and my desires, my loves, the Lord gave me new desires. So that was kind of like, where it all started. And, you know, the joke was my mom didn't think I was going to graduate high school. Um, I had zero intellectual motivation, desire. I didn't read any books. None. None. So like cliff notes when those were a thing, you know, I think I probably read the cliff notes of the cliff notes. You know, I just got enough to get by. And my mom was like, I'm worried you're not going to graduate high school. (laughs) And I'm like, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. You know, and I did. And anyways, but when I became a Christian, it was like the Lord just kind of like, lit my mind on fire. I don't know how else to put it. Wow. And um, I just had this like voracious appetite for truth and for wisdom and to walk in those things. And I remember just uh, devouring everything I could and being like, what is this thing called like reading? (laughs) 
<laughs> so, you know, and, and that's all the Lord. I mean, it literally is all the Lord because that was no, I, I, that was actually surprising to me that I found myself just like hungry, feasting on like his word and truth. And that's initially what got me into philosophy. But um, yeah, so that was wild. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think that's, you know, the, those are some of the stories that you hear and, and um, you think, okay, God, God still does this and God can do this is totally transform and capture a heart that is not looking, not seeking, yep. and maybe even hardened to the point of, oh, yeah. I remember you telling me like your teachers had identified you as someone who that's right. um, was almost past the point of of any help, but also I guess this speaker had maybe said, you know, who's someone that's influential or something like yeah. that. And, yeah. and they had started praying for you. The teachers had started praying for you that week, maybe. That's right. He called a couple of days in advance. He's like, give me the names of two students on that campus that if God got a hold of their life, that campus would not be the same. And they said, Ross Inman was one of the students. And that's why he was awkwardly coming up to me and me alone during lunch, single me, singling me out. But he was just praying for me, and I'm basically Goodness. the product of answered prayer. Yeah, and um, which is really cool. Once I heard that story, and uh, once I graduated college, I went, um, I went and substitute taught at the same high school. So with all the all the teachers that I would like <laughs> make fun of and right, like make yeah, cry yeah, and yeah. sleep during their Bible classes. Yes. They were they were like, wait, you're you're substitute teaching Bible, and yeah. I said, yeah, you know, isn't the Lord's got a sense of humor? Yeah. You know, um. He's back. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yes. those same teachers who gave my name yeah. Yeah. were the ones that I ended up like teaching alongside of. That's so, incredible. You know, God's got a sense of humor. Incredible. So you um, so you graduate college. You're working at Shadow Mountain. You're doing some work there yeah. with the youth ministry there. Yep. And um, I guess at some point you decide, man, I, I want to make ministry my life, right? Like teaching or yeah. teaching truth. Tell us a little bit about that journey, and I'm sure it was just success after success, right? Oh, yes. Uh, no. <laughs> no, I'm happy to yeah. say so. Yeah, I, I sort of dove in uh, with both feet uh, into the life of the church, and I remember majoring in college biblical studies initially, and, you know, I was a new believer, and I've just always, my kind of center of gravity... Um, up to that point, I just really was, I asked these kind of fundamental questions, like, how do I know God exists? How do I know the Bible's reliable? How do I know that Jesus really rose from the dead? I wasn't there. Right. Uh, these kinds of things. So I would ask these questions and wrestle with these questions, and uh, people in my community, well-intentioned, well-meaning, but uh, nobody seemed to care about these kinds of questions, and uh, in fact, um, they were discouraged just asking these basic questions about, like, the truth of the Christian faith, and why be a Christian versus not, or some other uh, religion. Right, like the answer is just, you just have to believe. Yeah, yeah, that was the posture that was like modeled as a virtue, is like, you don't like, you don't explore and, and lean in intellectually into your faith. You so kinda... if we can take a sidebar for, for maybe less than 90 seconds, this is dangerous, uh, yeah, philosophy. You are Professor, dangerous. Where, what's the difference between faith like real faith that Christ calls us to, and and that kind of faith that might be lazy. Ooh, I love that. Can you do it in sixty seconds? What's uh, the difference? Lazy there? faith. Yeah, like you know, like even the idea of just like those the answers to those questions would just you're just that's what we're supposed to believe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You wouldn't say that's faith. 
right? Yeah, no, I mean, when, when it comes to something as important as like, I don't know, um, how you're, what you're going to give your life to yeah. in devotion and worship, uh, the kind of the attitude of let me just kind of wing it yeah, and just kind of not explore whether this is the right direction to kind of walk mm-hmm. and to invest my time and money and resources and energy and it all, basically. It's just kind of, it, we don't do that, we don't have that approach to any really other area of human life that's right. important, you yeah. know? We just, we do our homework and we make sure we're, our, our decisions are like grounded mm-hmm. in truth and for good reasons. And yeah. so I would say the, you know, it's not just um, coasting along in intellectual neutral. I think biblical faith is a faith that's grounded in good reasons uh, to yes. believe what we believe and, you know, engages the will and we, f- we figure out, okay, which, which is the best way to live, um, and, and I think if Jesus, if there was a better way to live, I think Jesus would have been the first to tell us. Yes. Honestly. So. I, I think that's that's really good. I think you did that in less than 60 oh, seconds. Yes, yeah. pressure was on. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I do think that um, Christianity is reasonable. You know, when, when you look at there's truth and there's information and there's reasons why yeah. we can believe what we can believe or what we do believe about the resurrection or about the life of Christ, the promises that he made. Um, You know, I think truth makes a good case. It makes a good case for Christ, you know? And so um, I would echo that. And I think, you know, after studying philosophy, you know, I think, well, you're getting ready to get into that, you know, um, path for your life, that wanting to know the truth. I think there was some probably looking back on, Man, I'd like to have conversations with others mm-hmm. that don't just say, right? Just yeah. believe. Yep. So how how'd you get into that? We we took a sidebar. We're back yeah, on the main no, track. Absolutely. Yeah. So um I was really struggling with I was I was thinking to follow Christ, you kind of need to check your brains at the door. That was really the option. The the way it was modeled to me in my community was you just sort of like put your head in the sand and just kind of hope this is true without any kind of well-grounded, well-placed trust or anything like that. And so I kind of began to despair of like, if I'm going to, you're either a Christian or you're a thinking person. Oh, man. And I was like, well, okay, what's that about, you know? I didn't have anybody model like the life of the mind, what it means to love God with my mind in my community. And I took my first philosophy class in at a Christian college, and it was my philosophy professor who basically said, here's all the things we're going to chase down in this class together. Um, The existence of God, you know, the problem of evil, why so much evil and suffering in the world. All the things that kept me up at night that I wrestled with that I was seeking, like, satisfying answers to. Mm -hmm. He basically walked walked with me through that season. Um, He mentored me, discipled me, um, showed me that you can love God with your mind and be intellectually faithful um, with your mind and your heart. And I just had never seen that before. And um, when I began to ask the Lord, what would you have me do with my life? Um, He kind of spotlighted my college professor and just said, look at the powerful impact this man has had in your life and in your own ministry. Like, where would you be without this man's ministry in your life? Like, what? And I knew I wasn't the only one asking questions. I just think in our context, many people, like, suppress those questions. They have them. They just don't verbalize them mm-hmm. many times. So I knew I wasn't the only one asking. So I thought, Lord, you know, how can I use these kind of new giftings you have breathed into me for your glory and for the good of your church? And I just realized teaching. 
like helping other students through the same journey that I was on. And so I asked my prof, I said, what do I need to do to teach? And he said, you got to, you got to go to school for a long time. And I was like, okay, I guess that's what we're doing. And (laughs) Suzanne, I got, got married, uh, right after college. And, um, we went up to uh, Talbot school of theology and, uh, that began eight years, you know, of graduate school where it was really failure after failure, but success after success. But I'll just say, um, one thing we initially applied to Talbot and I was just like, so confident I was going to get in and I hadn't heard back. I hadn't heard back from, uh, from the program was, which was really competitive. And I called the admissions department and they said, yeah, we've, we've got your, uh, sorry, we haven't gotten back to you, but we've got your decision right here in front of us. And I said, kind of very, uh, pridefully, I said, uh, yeah, let me, let me hear it. And they said, you didn't get in. I'm like, what do you mean? I didn't get in. I'm like, did you spell my last name? Right. It's I N M A. Yeah. And it was, you know, like very proud, proud. And, mm-hmm. And he's like, no, yeah, you didn't get in, sorry. So it was like a door shut and closed, but both Suzanne and I realized, like, that's where the Lord wants us. It was this weird feeling of feeling like the door was shut and deadbolted in front of your face, but realizing, like, God wants us on the other side of that door. I don't know how this is going to work, but that's where he wants us. And that began, like, a season of the Lord revealing in my heart. So we ended up moving up to, going up to Los Angeles, without me being in this program and me being in another program and just trying to like weasel my way into this program. (laughs) And, you know, and, and so, but the Lord was keeping me from being in this program. He wanted to show me a lot of what was in my heart that I didn't realize was there. A lot of the pride, a lot of the jealousy, a lot of the selfish ambition that I just, Hmm. just chalked up to just motivation. And if it wasn't for the Lord sort of saying no in that season and kind of blocking my path, I would have never, I would have never uh, really known those things were in my heart. And so fast forwarding, we were there for three years. Um, I took this uh, gen- general um, graduate record exam for a PhD program, studied a year for this exam. It's a major exam to get funding and scholarship for a PhD program. And it's out of 1600, Brian, and I studied a year for it. Didn't sleep the night before, I was so nervous. Took the exam. I got an 810 which is just abysmal. This is like one of the worst scores you can get. And uh, failure. Like, got rejected from all the PhD programs I applied to because they looked at my score and they were like, wait, are you, are you kidding? Like, did you, did you study for this thing? And, you know, it was, <laughs> yeah. it was, a, it was a disaster. I yeah. felt like my world crumbling. Yeah. And I retook it, and I thought maybe it was a fluke. 860 the next time I took it. Just oh, as yeah. bad. And anyway, so closed door. Locked, deadbolted shut. And I mean, this is obviously a very important step to what you have felt like the Lord has been calling you to and marching Necessary. you down. Necessary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Necessary. And that's why it was like devastating. Yeah. And somebody said, hey, uh, who cares what you how you did on a standardized test score? Um, you know, you can go overseas and you can study at some of these great institutions over there. They don't care about test scores. So that was, we wouldn't even entertained going and moving to Ireland if it wasn't for like, all of these doors getting shut in yeah. the United States. Yeah. And we got into this great program at Trinity College in Dublin. And that, honestly, Brian, th- we would have never moved overseas hadn't been for the, that failure on the GRE score that got opened up a season of four years of just some of the most life-transforming um, years of both Suzanne and my, my life. I mean, it's it's incredible what God did in those four four years um, that wouldn't have wouldn't have happened if we hadn't have been over there, honestly. Um, 
applied for jobs when I was done with my PhD, applied to 80 schools, 79 rejections. Was thinking, Lord, what in the what in the world? Yeah. I thought you were calling me to teach. One yes at the University of Notre Dame. And so we packed up and we went to the University of Notre Dame, worked there. Uh, a year later, applied out again. Um, 79 applications, or 80 applications again, 79, 79 rejections, heard one yes, St. Louis University. So it's always been just kind of like a lot of no's, yeah. a lot of rejections, <laughs> a lot of failures, but there's always that, that one yes, and all it takes is one. And yeah. so that's really how our journey's been, Brian, yeah. both Suzanne and my journey together has been trusting the Lord in the midst of failure, knowing that he is weaving a, a tapestry that's much more beautiful than I can see, you know, and and it's just giving me so much more confidence and hope to lean in for things that I can't see now. It seems like yeah. I'm taking one step at a time, but so that's been really our story. Has that's been. the case, though, right? Like, I mean, that's that's the promise in Scripture that he works all things together for the good, yeah. uh, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, and that, of course does not mean that all things are good. Yep. It doesn't mean that all things end good. Yep. It doesn't mean that things feel good. It just means that He has promised that even in the midst of those things yep. that are difficult, whether things that are being unjustly done to you, like whether you know you were more qualified than 79 other people at those whatever, yeah. He's working together for the good. That's and I right. think we'll, we'll pick up probably in another part of this with Suzanne cool. about even what the Lord did in her life mm-hmm. in prayer and seeking the Lord in Ireland and seeing, you know, things that, that the Lord was doing there that totally uh, transformed kind of her, her views on uh, yep. prayer and, and, and how we engage with the Lord. Yep. Uh, that's going to be an exciting one. Well, I'll tell you real quick how we ended up here yeah. at, at, at Exchange yeah. was through failure. So we were living in Fort Worth. Finally landed that full-time, permanent, tenure-track teaching job that we had, like, longed for. We were there four years, and very suddenly, unexpectedly, lost my job. Man. And threw us in a tailspin. Father of three. Father of three. We had three-month-old. We just just had Verity. Just our world went into a tailspin. But you know what? There was a track record, and that's Mm -hmm. what was so cool is we had seen God be faithful in the past. Yeah. And I looked at Suzanne, I said, he's going to provide. I have no doubt about it, right? Two weeks later, we were out here visiting Southeastern, interviewing for that job, and we knew t- within two weeks we were going to be moving to Wake Forest. So, you know, it's like I say that because, um, you know, when you develop that track record with the Lord and, and you've, you've tried, you've tested his faithfulness, and it's like it gives you that, that perspective on, on your circumstances yeah. that, you know, if we, we hadn't have experienced that failure in the past— I think it would have been a lot more difficult for us uh, to make this move and transition here. So that's yeah. eventually how we ended up here was, again, God working all things together for good. And it was a severe mercy, but I think we've learned to kind of lean into his severe mercy sometimes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's, well, it's, I mean, it's in those trying times of life that we have to look back. We have to remember th- that God has not failed me, yeah. and he will not fail me. Yep. You know, I think... Um, like you know, we've been going through Exodus, and I'm I'm sympathetic to Israel, you know, because though they had they had seen the plagues, they they had never seen the Red Sea, and though they had seen the Red Sea, they had never seen the Philistines, you know, and they though they had seen the Philistines, you know, there's another battle, and 
And so they're, they're learning that they can trust God in all circumstances, in all situations. Mm. And yet there's this track record where God points them back and says, hey, remember you were yeah. in Egypt, yeah. and I have brought you out from there all the way. And so I think maybe, Exchange, if you're listening, uh, one of the lessons from today, you know, who knows where the Lord has you in this moment, but He has not forgotten you. Uh, maybe you faced a failure today. Maybe recently you have come across a spot where it seems like um, you are staring at a shut door and a locked door and don't know uh, the next place to turn. I think Ross um, and myself, we would encourage you, turn to the Lord. Mm. Look back. Turn around and see His faithfulness. And press in to see where the Lord might do how he might open that locked door, or how he might open another. Uh, But here's the truth, that he has not forgotten you, and he will not fail you. So Exchange, I hope today has been encouraging. I hope that it strengthens your faith. I hope that you're able to link arms even with Ross and his story. I would encourage you as we do each week, uh, seek Ross and Suzanne out. Uh, Maybe this Sunday, uh, talk about um, your own story, find them, thank him for sharing his story. And I hope this has been encouraging to you, Exchange. We'll see you next week on Exchanging Stories.